Welcome to Alhan, the show where I, your host Ala, interview important figures and musicians across the UAE, MENA area, and the world. Today I'm here with the amazing Casey Hamada. Thank you for being on here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super uh, looking forward to this. I saw your reviews, your first two reviews, and they were quite, um, like, really interceptive, I'd say. And... Uh, so and I and I uh, yeah I was just very curious as to like just how the conversation would go because it seems like you're really um, in tune with the music and you really like hear it beyond just passively if that makes sense. I I try to. Um, I just recently started trying to write reviews. Um, I don't before the noon review I hadn't posted any of them. Um, mm-hmm. because I was originally planning on writing reviews about like any sort of album on my uh, radar from like anywhere mm-hmm. but I then decided to make this about like the UAE and stuff and that's when it started <clears throat> That's amazing. That's super fascinating. Thank you for sharing. That. Wait, I was supposed to ask you questions. Uh, no worries. It's your turn. I'll stop. I was just trying to get in the flow. Of yeah. <laughs> I realized that halfway through answering. Um, well, uh, I, as you know, I listened to your album and I'm currently working on a review interesting and prior to this interview i did a bunch of research on you i i watched every single interview i could because i wanted to make sure the questions were interesting so um you're the first person to have ever done that and i sincerely appreciate it thank you so seriously much. the first person <laughs> yeah yeah i i love i mean i'm super grateful for everybody i've ever spoken with but every time like a question gets repeated, I'm like, oh, like this is the third time I've had to say this. And not that I obviously don't encourage people to follow their curiosity, but I'm just like, we have a limited time together and perhaps the audience can just like learn something new with a, with a new perspective. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's actually why I wanted to start this because I remember I was... Uh, looking through and trying to find um, UAE-based artists and I came across Regional Artists Spotlight and I don't know if they do those interviews anymore but they used to collaborate with What's On and with the artists and ask them questions and I remember reading those questions and feeling like they had a list of like 10 to 15 questions that they asked everybody and I remember that I was very annoyed because when you ask really basic questions that encourages them to give very basic answers and so all of the answers were incredibly surface level because the questions were surface level and I yeah yeah, yeah exactly so now I'm going to move on to my first question. Absolutely. Uh, you're, 
you identify your music as being loud and brash, but what drew you to loud and brash music? Um, it's a great question. Um, and obviously, first person to ask me that, <laughs> I'd say, I mean, I can't say I know myself very well. I think that would be a very misleading statement. I feel like I'm forever trying to, because I don't think there's also such a thing as like a proper answer as to quote unquote who I am and what I like and what I gravitate towards. It's a bunch of factors mm -hmm. and I have only such a limited perspective to it. But if I had to put my money on something, it's that growing up, we didn't have access to a lot of media, mm -hmm. whether it was like... Um, internet or tv our tv time was like super restricted as kids and we didn't get internet in our house until i was like 15 mm. um and that was just also like cable internet not even wi-fi like our oh. phones were still pretty basic and so uh and so i was pulling at straws for like the kind of music I can get to. I had these like USB stick MP3 players and I'd share it with my friends. So that definitely influenced a lot of the music I was listening to just because I was enjoying whatever I can. And because we were so bored as kids, like all I could do is just write on notebooks and just listen to the same like 25 songs my friend could get off of LimeWire. Oh. Um, and the things that stuck with me and because I was so, I, I wouldn't say isolated, but I just wasn't, as social as a kid compared to the other kids i didn't relate to the songs that talked about romance or mm -hmm. love um or the songs that talked about like being with i just didn't resonate with happy music Me neither. <laughs> um yeah so i really gravitated towards grungier harder hitting music it just felt like it spoke to me a lot more and uh especially rock music and then uh, and I, I chronologically I can't tell which came first whether it was rap or rock but they both came sort of at the same time and those were the things that really stuck to me both because of its sonic design at the time my English was very weak mm -hmm. this is around when I was like eight or nine years old and I had just moved to an English school so I only spoke Arabic my whole life prior to that mm -hmm. um, and so my English was very weak I didn't understand what they were saying so a lot of the music I was listening to I was just listening to it because it just felt good to hear those emotions and soundscapes yeah. but I had no idea what they were talking about I didn't know what 50 cent or Papa Roach or the Foo Fighters were really like shouting about. I was just like just feeling it. Some and music is um, better at translating emotions through just the music mm. itself and not just through mm. lyrics. That's why yeah. people are attracted to certain genres. Exactly, exactly. And so that's why I'm I enjoy that. I also get bored of music very fast. So same. Besides just listening creating a certain type of music also gets very boring for me and it's kind of like a video game to me sometimes where it's like oh this style of music is just like super simple and easy to make how could i just like step it up a notch and try something new yeah and just to keep things interesting and fun and uh and i've always always just growing up i've always fought to stand out um for several thousand reasons and it always bled into any creative endeavor I went into whether it was 
whether I was trying to get into photography or whether when I was dancing, like I refused to take classes. I refused to, I mean, I couldn't have access to tutorials. So I yeah. just pretty much just had to find any basic tool and learn it myself. And then because I was learning it on my own and had nobody else's blueprint on it, I got to kind of like learn it the way I wanted to use it. So I can't read music. I can't yeah. play instruments live, um, but I can just play with a few notes and then mash yeah. the shit out of them. Um, no, it's fine. Sorry for it's swearing. Fine. It's but, fine. Uh, yeah. but um, All right, awesome. hearing your story and your interviews, it reminded me of when I was a lot younger and how I tried to basically engage in music. I remember my friend and I, we would just, because, you know, I was living in the internet age so when i was 12 that's 2017 oh it feels so crazy to say that but um so what we would do is we would basically try and make music and so we would make it on garage band on like an ipad or i would borrow my sister's laptop or i'd make it on my phone or that's sometimes sick. Or sometimes we'd try and look up like free beats on YouTube. So it'd be like blank type beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the hustle. Yeah. And I remember I was consistently writing. I had a bunch of thick books where I would just write. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. I have voice recordings of me singing from the ages of like 13 all the way to now, just consistently recording everything. Mm, so you've been at it for a while. Yeah, I, I have. Um, and that's a part of my like love for music is I also do it. So I'm not just a music enthusiast. I am also a musician. That's awesome. Yeah. And have you released your work or are you just like enjoying it in silence for the time being? Uh, I'm enjoying it at home in private. All right. um, I hope to release music at some point, mm -hmm. but I just, I'm more so focusing on schoolwork of course. and other things right now, though I am about to graduate in June. Best of luck. That sounds really exciting. Yeah. Um, so when I was listening to your album, I could sort of hear in your rapping style, I could hear influences from Eminem. Is that, am I correct? Oh, uh, yeah. I grew up listening to a lot of Eminem, without a doubt. Yeah. I'd say from uh, from like 2005 mm -hmm. until I'd say 2014, 2015. So like almost like that 10-year reign, um, mm -hmm. like constantly. Um, obviously there was a lot of on and offs, whether it was like from his releases or, you know, my, my tastes were also like changing and widening, but yeah, I grew up listening to a lot of Eminem and, um, he's a big part of my huge curiosity, uh, mm -hmm. to rap growing up. And, uh, I would study his, not just his music, but like just literally print out PDFs of, of his uh, music, um, of his lyrics and just like study the pattern and just like familiarize with it again. 
um you know we didn't have a lot to do so we had to make up our own fun <laughs> yeah. but at the same time i was just like super curious as to like what makes him like eminem as opposed to like somebody else and so i was constantly mm-hmm. curious uh, about that so yeah that to answer your question yeah i think it's funny that you would print out eminem lyrics and analyze them like you're analyzing poetry from like maya angelou in english class <laughs> Oh yeah, without a doubt. Like this, I mean, I used hip hop kind of in a very like I wouldn't say ac- academic way, but I was just curious and it automatically led me into being very studious and obviously it wasn't just Eminem, there was a lot of rappers and then I got into just hip hop culture and history in general and got into the origins and started delving deep into DJ culture and graffiti culture and I was a B-boy, active B-boy for a bit to the point where music had to like almost take a back seat and so I mm-hmm. fell in love with hip hop culture in general and just started consuming um a buttload of 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 history and content Uh, about the culture because I just for the first time felt connected to something that I could call home which is which which something else that I found difficult growing up and so yeah um yeah. and within class I'd pretend to be doing schoolwork but really I was writing rhymes and I'd pretend to be reading but really I was reading rhymes and it was mm-hmm. the only thing that like just kept me engaged yeah um same here with hip hop I I wanted to start a YouTube channel for a while where I made video essays and the first video that I officially started working on was an idea that I had to take a genre and then trace the history back to the beginning and then make an entire like documentary style video about it and the first genre that I did and actually um the genre that the idea was based around was hip hop and i i i wrote like a quarter of the script i made it all the way to the 90s and then i just sort of abandoned it i i just felt yeah no worries every idea has its own legs you can't carry them all the way through but uh, i think that's super fascinating that you have that upfront background on on hip hop Sorry yeah. my cat's just like wailing in the background he's he's a bit <laughs> of a dick. It's fine. I I love cats. That and makes one of us. Yeah, and I can I can <laughs> What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> I can name this podcast like uh Ella featuring Casey Hamada and his cat. <laughs> yep. Yeah, by the sounds of it and his mood today, yeah, pretty much. That would be a fantastic name. Um but yeah, I apologize. He's just in a mood and he just likes attention very loudly. It's okay. That's just what cats do. I remember yep. when we used to have a cat um at 3 a.m. for some reason my room was his favorite. So at 3 a.m. Mm. he would just wail and wail and wail and cry. Mm. And wake me up. I'd open the door. He'd come in. He'd look out the window. He'd stay there for like 15 minutes, and then he'd wail to leave. And oh, then wow. it would just, it would just repeat, and I I wouldn't be able to sleep because I'd spend two hours in the same cycle yeah. with this cat until it got tired or I just stopped giving it giving it attention. 
Yep. I'm sorry I had to go through that. We're uh, we're definitely going through those motions for the past couple yeah. of years, and it doesn't look like it's stopping anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. Um. So another thing that I noticed when watching your interviews is that you've mentioned that your audience is mostly abroad. Yeah. How do you go about connecting with them since you're only doing shows in the UAE for now? Well, most, most, the I mean, the biggest reason they're mostly abroad is because they've gotten to know me via the internet. And so connecting mm. with them just entirely happens off of Instagram and YouTube. Um, and even if I do shows in the UAE, I make sure to like broadcast it if I can, if I'm allowed. Um, uh, or obviously do some recaps. Um, but most of all, the majority of interactions that I have with the audience is I'd say almost not, I'd say it's a 50 50 between like just publicly posting stuff on stories and uh, regular posts and people interacting with it. And then the other half would be people um, maybe asking a question or sending me a screenshot of like, Oh, yo, I love the song. And usually I just like talk to them, you know, who are you? What do you do? And we connect on that basis. And, and sometimes when they interact with stuff that I drop, I always love to be able to say thank you more than just writing the words. Thank you. So I usually send people like demos of unreleased songs or beats that I'm working on or collabs that I'm currently pursuing. And so there's like at least 20 songs unreleased in the hands of like at least a hundred friends and strangers that have interacted with me online um and it's like i just like planting those seeds and easter eggs everywhere and uh and uh yeah it's it's uh it's just more fun that way um and i hope that the opportunity will come soon for me to travel and uh, be able to do more shows around the world yeah hopefully you go on a tour uh, or at least like um, perform internationally even if it's just in a neighboring country oh yeah for sure yeah um another thing that i heard you mention in your interviews is that you used to produce on ipads mm -hmm. and and then switched over do mm -hmm. you still actively produce the songs you release and if you uh, only do it partially what mm. percentage would you guess of your music that you have released you have produced sure so everything i've released i've produced 90 percent of it if we're using the definition of producer as the beat maker i haven't made mm -hmm. every beat that i've made music with but i'd say the majority is for sure i worked on the beat or at least reworked the beat after i'd received it or downloaded it uh, mm -hmm. But if we're talking like produced as in like I set the sessions and I recorded it, mixing and mastering, I'd say 100%. This is a one-man ship right now uh, in terms <laughs> of just like the one-to-one -one songs. Obviously, the album is much different because Question Mark was executive producer on the project and yes. Gareth Chan was the executive director of the visuals of the project. So that's different. But, but outside of that, it's been 100% me along with if I did take someone's beat, I would either rework it or um, or obviously they just do the beat. Um, 
in terms of the iPad thing. I still make beats on iPad. I even make sometimes beats on my iPhone. There's a really cool app called Koala Sampler, and it's mm. one of my favorite things. Uh, obviously, being a hip-hop head, I grew up uh, fantasizing about having an MPC or an SP404 sampler, and I've had the chance to actually own a couple, and it's really fun, but for some reason, Koala Sampler just like makes me feel like a kid again with making beats and it's like super straightforward and uh, there's an awesome online community behind it so I'm still working with those things and sometimes an idea starts on the iPad or iPhone and then I port it over to my laptop and uh, make a project out of it yeah I I still use my phone when it comes to like because you know when you get in that type of mood it's like I need to do it now I can't wait for things to start up and everything absolutely I just I just use like BandLab oh yeah Uh, I love BandLab so sick yeah it's really great because it allows you to um insert stuff Mm -hmm. um and so sometimes when I'm just like trying to work on something I've already worked on before, I can just add it in Yeah, uh, way easier. And it really helps me with, like, recording my ideas. Without a doubt. I think BandLab is very underrated. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I always, like, I know I'm going to sound old, but if BandLab existed for me growing up, I feel like my life would have been entirely different because I spent the first half year of my the first half of my life just like trying to get access to the tools and I'm just super excited and ecstatic for like you know kids that are much younger than me. I'm not that old but I do, I do have an age discrepancy and um and I'm just like I'm amazed that all of this stuff is for free because even back in like 2013 when I got my first like production laptop, a lot of the stuff in BandLab was just like behind a huge, very expensive paywall and it took a lot of processing power for laptops back then. And and obviously the cloud backups and like the memory management mm-hmm. and the RAM and like all of this stuff you had to configure manually uh, on a session. But now it's just like you can buy a $300, $400 phone if not even cheaper, um, yeah. And just like and and get an iRig, or you could buy and, secondhand, and, or you can buy secondhand exactly. And and uh, and I've been obsessed with this idea of like a studio in a backpack, and mm-hmm. like all since I started making music, but then now it's just come to the point where like you can literally fit a studio in a purse. It's just like your phone and an iRig and maybe an SM57. Um, if not, just straight up get an iRig microphone that directly connects to your phone or iPad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's super exciting. Yeah. Um, when I was um, younger, like uh, 13, 14, mm. I was th- like hyper fixated on home studios. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I remember basically doing all of the research on microphones and everything and this Mm. was when i first realized that like you had to put a little bit of care in your choice for microphones right um not not too much because if the song is good people will still listen to it so absolutely a lot of stuff uh other than equipment matters Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. I've heard some I've heard some great songs or really popular songs that have awful, awful mixes and production. Oh it's yeah, without cheap. a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> like, I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday about that actually. Yeah. Yeah, there's this one song that's really popular but the mix is awful. It's uh mm. pumped up kicks. Oh yeah. I, I hate the mix on yeah, that song. I don't blame I you. A lot of early 2010s alt pop, alt rock had mm-hmm. very, very questionable mixing decisions. But I think that was also sort of like part of the aesthetic. Like I'd even yeah. say Little Peep had a lot of, uh, I mean, X, uh, X Tentacion was, uh, was also a phenomenal example of captivating music that was just technically speaking, just not up to par to a quote-unquote professional song so yeah. um yeah it's it's very refreshing to hear yeah um though i i don't like this new thing of mixes and music that is that feels too perfect it's too clean and glittery yeah i get what you mean yeah um like there's I I enjoy a lot of pop music and there's a lot of times when I hear something and I'm like this would be good if it wasn't so if it didn't feel like there was this big corporation behind it I get what you mean yeah, yeah. I know uh that's that's the curse of of loving music so much that you start dabbling your hands and making your own and now you know all the behind the scenes and you can't just hear a song for what it is and so you start getting attached to the story of how the song was made and brought to you instead of just like hearing the song um, yeah and it's 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 a doozy but uh i i totally get what you mean and some of my favorite songs um mm-hmm. even including like eminem stuff and and obviously like odd future looking back now a lot of questionably like quote-unquote mixing decisions were made but it's what made the songs so like soulful i'd say um whereas i know people that have like the most balanced mixes but it just sounds so curated and sterile and robotic and um yeah everybody loves a nice punchy mix yeah um one artist that i feel like has this problem all the time is Charlie Puth. Mm-hmm. I I just feel like his songs could be something, but they just feel like because it it feels like they're just so focused on the production, him and mm-hmm. his entire team, mm-hmm. that it at the end of it it has no personality. Mm, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Mm, I'm first time I hear of that. Um, I don't listen to him that often, so I can't provide any, uh, let's say, uh, input with merit. But uh, mm-hmm. that is an interesting perspective, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now that we're nearing the end of this podcast interview, I just want to ask you a question that's... Um, it's very... Well, you'll see. So where do you see yourself musically in five years? Um, I have no idea. I would hope to just still be making music. 
Um, mm-hmm. If you asked me that question five years ago, I'd probably tell you like on this stage and in this show and in like all these external accolades. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's one thing I learned the hard way, especially in the last two years, is just to focus on things that I can control. And I just hope that I can just keep elevating and making things that I'm proud of and hope that people can connect to it and that it provides a spark in their life. I could, I, I obviously internally have these like, I wouldn't say metrics, but aspirations to do certain stages and shows. And I'm always tempted to say them out loud to quote unquote manifest it. But mm-hmm. truly, truly, I like to give you an honest answer. I see myself striving to just being a better version of who I am than the day before. And uh, outside of just music is also remember that I'm a human being and sometimes I let music consume my all, all-encompassing identity. So I hope that I'm a better person to my loved ones um, and to my future wife and and hopefully uh, I can make them proud too. Uh, so I'm just going to focus hopefully. on what I can control and just right now I'm super proud of Lights Out and I'm low-key nervous about like what I'm going to share afterwards because we worked so hard and I think the album is practically perfect in terms of like the vision we had and the execution we put out and um, I'm getting a little bit of like a mini, I wouldn't say stage fright, but sort of something along that feeling where it's like the next thing just needs mm-hmm. to feel like it's a step up from it. And for me, it's hard to just imagine what that would sound like just because question mark uh, kind of spearheaded the project in such a phenomenal sonical experience. And um, yeah, so I'm just going to focus on like just one song at a time and connect with real human beings. And uh, I hope that anything external could reflect that in a positive light. And uh, yeah, I, I hope yeah. that's a sol- uh, I hope that's a, va- a valid answer. It is, of course, a valid answer. But I do have one thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so in your answer, you mentioned your future wife, which mm-hmm. I know to be Shebani. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I kind of have a little funny story oh, yeah? about uh, all of this. So before I was aware of your existence, I was aware of her existence. As is the case, yes. <laughs> and... Um, and then I became aware of your existence, but completely separately. And I remember seeing posts of hers where she mentioned her boyfriend at the time. And being like, oh, cute. Mm-hmm. And then I remember being shook when <laughs> I found out. I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't expected it. I, I don't know but, why. Uh, uh, I mean, it's it's. Uh, there's no... Uh, I don't blame you. I mean, I don't know w- w- how there is a way to expect it. But yeah, I, I, funny enough, you know, she's been a very strong supporter of mine. And uh, I always feel super excited when, I, obviously, I feel very honored because I was a fan of hers before me and her even met. So it's mm-hmm. still like a, a very hum- a humbling experience to, uh, get to have her part of my artistic journey, let alone my personal life. 
and whenever she shares my stuff and obviously her audience uh, gravitates to much more different things than what I make but then from time to time it some stuff like trickles yeah. over and they say you know like like me I'm a Shaybani fan and I'm not into hip-hop and but like the stuff you do is uh it 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 reached to me or it resonated and for me like that's a huge honor and uh, I'm just forever grateful for her to always support me so proudly and loudly more than anybody I've come across and she's she has nothing to gain or benefit and she had no reason to and it's generally from the kindness of her heart um so I always I always get extra giddy when someone says you know I know about Shebani and that's sort of how I came to know about you and uh, it's always a good time to hear that yeah that's really great to hear mm. um so Thank you for your time. This Thank you for having podcast. me. Yeah. Um, as soon as I saw that you interacted with my post, I, I remember like sending my friend a screenshot and being like, holy shit. <laughs> 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 yeah. And it's just because I was writing your review at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I listened to it on release day. And I remember that um i liked it less than i do now mm. not that i didn't like it and so i used to joke to my friends about how like um oh this review is gonna be brutal <laughs> <laughs> i i appreciate that please please go ahead <laughs> i really appreciate a good uh sober transparent interaction about my music I really genuinely do, whether yeah. it's positive or negative, to be honest, because I don't see negative as that disheartening. I am obviously sensitive on my stuff, but it really doesn't latch on. So if this review is brutal, I'm all for it. I'm all ears. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's it's grown on me since then, since I, um, you know, I took a break from writing reviews mm -hmm. after one review. Oh, but, yeah. Been uh, there. <laughs> so I you know when I got back into it I had to listen to it again mm. and the second listen was much better and mm. then the third one the fourth one and all of that but I I'm happy to hear that thank you yeah I used to joke to my friends oh this is gonna be brutal but <laughs> now knowing that you knew that I existed <laughs> and you were aware and that I would, because I always tag the person, right. because I'm not afraid. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, it's just art at the end of the day. What is there to be afraid of? Yeah. And also, like, sometimes I, I try my best to be nice. Mm. And that's why I structure my reviews a very specific way. Positive, mm -hmm. then negative, mm -hmm. and then hopeful outro and then end mm. um but sometimes you just have to use certain adjectives like like bad <laughs> yeah oh without yeah. a doubt yeah that's a very um, on so it's, it's a good adjective it's stuck around for a reason yeah um so i'm really looking forward to it i'm, really I'm looking forward to putting it out it's about like 90 percent of the way done as Sweet. we're recording this awesome um but yeah um this interview podcast thing uh 
is over. And thank you for Sweet. your time. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And uh, a little caveat, uh, just not even for your review, but just for mm -hmm. your personal experience, just because we haven't been very explicit about it just yet, is that Lights Out is not just a sonic album. It's a mm -hmm. visual album. And perhaps you can revisit the album once all the visuals are out. And this is me just talking directly to you. So whether you keep this to be publicly published is up to you. But uh, okay. since you've had this like repeated listen and, and I'd say up close experience with listening to Lights Out because you've had to analyze it for your review, mm -hmm. I'd, say, uh, I'd say I look forward to your opinion once the visual elements are also fully shared uh, and experienced because some things just don't make sense and I completely get that because I've had people mm -hmm. like, oh, this part doesn't make sense so why does this go like that? And I'm just like, oh, that's because we kind of also scored a soundtrack for some visual ideas and the of album course. both sonically and visually feed into each other and so I hope you uh, get the chance to um, enjoy that as well. Um, yeah, and yeah. I hope the listeners of this podcast get to also enjoy that oh, sure. um so thank you for your time thank you for having me